You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll bring you dispatches from a town hall held by police to address the public and hear feedback about an incident in which officers shot and gravely injured a man. After being shot, Mr. Hampton went down to the ground, rose to his knees, and then began to move in the direction of the injured driver officer. The injured driver officer discharged his duty weapon. He pulled himself from a dark place and rebuilt his life and was thriving, and you tore him down. And I'm disgusted. It is really hard as a parent. Um, I lived here in the neighborhood for about 20 years. Um, <laughs> to really in the middle of the night or at any time given to really question whether you're going to call the police department or not. I'm Laura Wenis, and you're listening to Civic. On the morning of December 7th, a resident of Cap Street between 24th and 25th Streets called 911. A time code voice runs under all the dispatch audio and personal information has been censored from this recording. San Francisco 911, what's the location? Cap Street. Is there an apartment number? What's your cross street? 24th Street. Okay, tell me what happened. A man just broke into our apartment. Okay, where was where is he now? I don't know, he walked out, he came in asking for someone. He broke through our door. Okay. And and he he walked in and he walked away where they said he wasn't here. Were you inside when he broke in? Yes. Okay, one second. Okay, tell me what he looked like. Was he white, black, Latin, or Asian? He, he um I I don't know. Um he was of average height and rather slim build. He may have been Latino, but I don't know. Okay. He had dark short hair and I believe he had facial hair. Facial hair, thin build, and about how old do you know? I would say he was in his 20s or 30s. Okay, and about how tall so the officers know who they're looking for? Average height, maybe like under six feet, but I really don't know. That's okay. And what color clothing was he wearing? Uh, I believe he had on a dark jacket and dark pants. Dark pants, okay. How did he break in? He broke through the door. He just, he like the wood the wood is broken. He like he, he completely broke off the side of the frame of the door. Okay. Did he have any weapon? I I didn't see any. Okay. Um, one moment, please. Does Does anyone know who he is? Hi, I'm sorry. What was that? Does anyone know who he is? No, I've never seen him before. No one by that name lives has lived in this apartment for like a decade. I mean, in my building, we've lived here for eight years, and before that it was a woman who lived here. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, and then you don't know which way he left from... No, he literally just, like, he walked in, and, like, I saw him, and then I, he asked if I said no. I believe he asked again, and then he walked out. My husband woke up at that point and went and like, walked down the hall towards him, but I believe the man just walked away. Okay. So he broke the door, asked and then walked away, and you don't know which way he went? Yeah. I think he just went down the stairs, but I don't know. That call came in at 7.47 a.m. In the next 47 minutes, a series of events unfolded, the details of which are unclear and under investigation by about four different groups of officials. At 8.34 a.m., 
two officers encountered a man they believed to match the description of the suspect of the break-in. They fired a total of seven rounds at a 24-year-old man named Jamaica Hampton, striking him an estimated three times. Hampton sustained life-threatening injuries. An officer was also hospitalized with lacerations. As part of a transparency effort, it's standard practice for the SFPD to hold a town hall meeting after an officer shoots somebody to give preliminary information to the public about what happened. Often, the public has something to say in response, and tempers can run high. Chief Bill Scott and Commander Robert O'Sullivan gave this presentation to a crowd of people at Cesar Chavez Elementary on Tuesday night. Here's the police department's account of what happened. As mentioned, my name is Robert O'Sullivan. I'm the commander of the Risk Management Division. This evening, I'm going to provide an overview of the officer-involved shooting as well as um, circumstances surrounding two incidents prior to the officer-involved shooting. The incidents occurred in close proximity to the location of the OIS and include a hot prowl burglary report and a report of a male subject tampering with vehicles. The officers who responded as the primary unit to the hot prowl burglary and vehicle tampering call were the same two officers who were involved in the officer-involved shooting. The precise chronology of the incidents is currently under investigation. The following is a summary of the events as they are understood as of today, December 17th. At 7.47 a.m., the San Francisco Department of Emergency Management, also known as DEM, received a 911 call reporting a hot prowl burglary in the 900 block of Cap Street. At 7.49 a.m., officers began a response to the area and arrived on scene at 7.52. In this incident, officers responded to an A-priority call for a report of a male subject that had forced open the door of a residential apartment, also known as a hot prowl burglary. What is a hot prowl It's a burglary when someone is present within the structure. When officers arrived on scene, they contacted the victim and learned that the suspect had left on foot prior to their arrival. While officers were in the apartment building investigating the hot prowl burglary, a second 911 call was received by the San Francisco Department of Emergency Management. In this call, the 911 caller reported observing a male subject hitting car windows and attempting to break into police cars that were parked on the street in the area of 25th and Cap Streets. The second call was received at 8.12 a.m. The primary officers who responded to the hot prowl burglary learned of the second 911 call involving the male attempting to break into cars. A description of the vehicle tampering suspect was provided to the dispatcher from the 911 caller. It is as follows. Hispanic male, black leather coat, quote, probably 35 years of age, black baseball cap, five foot eight or five foot nine, pretty aggressive, mannerisms look like he is on drugs, but he is quite clean cut, so I don't know, end quote. Headed north towards 25th, excuse me, 24th Street. The officers identified similarities between the description of the suspect from the hot prowl burglary call and the vehicle tampering call. The officers then began a search of the area in their patrol vehicle. At 8.34 a.m., while searching the area, the officers observed a male subject crossing the street in front of their patrol car, which had stopped on the northeast corner of 23rd and Mission Streets. The subject was later identified as Jamaica Hampton. 
The officers observed similarities between the physical characteristics and clothing description of the suspect and Mr. Hampton. The officers then pulled their vehicle to the side of the road, intending to contact Mr. Hampton. As the passenger side officer opened his door to step out of the vehicle, Mr. Hampton aggressively advanced into the open car door area where the passenger seat officer was seated. Mr. Hampton was armed with a glass bottle in his hand while attacking the officer. The passenger officer kicked at Mr. Hampton while swiveled in his seat with his feet up to protect himself. The passenger officer backed up within the vehicle onto the center console to create distance between himself and Mr. Hampton. The officer driving the vehicle then exited and began to run around the rear of the vehicle to assist the passenger officer. Mr. Hampton then attacked the driver officer, beating him repeatedly in the head and face with a thick glass vodka bottle from a standing position, knocking the driver officer onto the ground. The driver officer was injured, sustaining lacerations to the cheek and back of his head. The injured driver officer attempted to stand to perform baton strikes before being knocked to the ground a second time. The injured driver officer lost control of his baton when he was knocked to the ground. His body-worn camera was knocked off of his uniform onto the ground. It was not activated. The injured driver officer, suffering from head injuries, ran eastbound on 23rd Street to put distance between himself and Mr. Hampton. Mr. Hampton, while still holding the glass bottle, chased the injured driver officer on the south sidewalk of 23rd Street. The passenger officer interrupted Mr. Hampton's pursuit of the injured driver officer by drawing and pointing his firearm at Mr. Hampton. Both officers drew their firearms and shouted repeated <coughs> verbal commands to Mr. Hampton to, quote, get on the ground. Mr. Hampton stopped on the sidewalk, paused briefly, and turned towards the officers. Mr. Hampton then ran a short distance on the south sidewalk and re-entered the roadway. Officers gave additional verbal commands for Mr. Hampton to get on the ground and the passenger officer deployed OC spray. OC spray is commonly known as pepper spray, which failed to stop Mr. Hampton's actions. Mr. Hampton then ran onto the north sidewalk and ran westbound. Shortly thereafter, Mr. Hampton ran into the roadway between two parked cars in the direction of the passenger officer. Mr. Hampton was still holding the glass bottle and closed the distance between himself and the passenger officer. The passenger officer discharged his issued duty weapon. After being shot, Mr. Hampton went down to the ground, rose to his knees, and then began to move in the direction of the injured driver officer. The injured driver officer discharged his duty weapon. The officers immediately rendered medical aid until responding emergency medical personnel arrived at the scene. Both Mr. Hampton and the injured driver officer were transported to Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital for treatment. This time I'll provide some additional information. Only Mr. Hampton was struck by gunfire during this incident. Based on the review of the body-worn camera, we have preliminarily determined that Mr. Hampton was struck three times by gunfire. Mr. Hampton was treated for life-threatening injuries, as mentioned, at Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. Preliminary evidence indicates that the passenger officer fired six rounds from his firearm. 
the injured driver officer fired one round from his firearm. The bottle was recovered at the scene. There's a photograph of it in front of the room. It was determined to be a 200 milliliter Grey Goose vodka bottle. Mr. Hampton was arrested yesterday. The San Francisco District Attorney's Office filed charges against Mr. Hampton on December the 16th. The charges are as follows. 245 parentheses A parentheses 1 of the Penal Code. Assault with a deadly weapon, two counts. 245 parentheses C of the Penal Code. Assault upon a peace officer with force likely to cause great bodily injury, two counts. 69 parentheses A of the Penal Code, threat to an executive officer. 594 parentheses B parentheses 1 of the Penal Code, vandalism more than $400. This particular incident is tied to an incident which preceded, or this charge rather, is tied to an incident which occurred prior to the officer involved shooting. The officers at the time of the shooting were one, unaware of this particular incident. It occurred on the 2600 block of Mission Street. The involved officers in this shooting are Officer Sterling Hayes and Officer Christopher Flores. As part of their presentation, the chief and commander played several pieces of surveillance video. It doesn't have sound, so we can't play it here. Briefly, what the surveillance video shows is a man, later identified as Jamaica Hampton, walking in the crosswalk on Mission Street to cross 23rd. A police car is waiting at the light, and he crosses in front of it. Just as he finishes crossing, he steps on the curb and turns to look at the car. The police car pulls toward him, and the passenger side door opens. The man takes a few quick steps toward the car and gets in some kind of physical altercation with the passenger officer. Exactly what's happening is obscured by the car door. The officer who was driving gets out, runs around the back of the car, and approaches the man, who strikes that officer. Again, what exactly happens is obscured by the car, but we see the driving officer fall to the ground. Then, for the crucial moments, the video skips. Officers said Tuesday night that this is because the camera, mounted on the side of a building on 23rd Street on the far side of Mission from where this happened, is motion-activated. And there wasn't any motion close enough for its sensor to pick up in those crucial moments. The next thing you see on this tape is Jamaica Hampton lying on the ground, moving slightly, and the officers around him. There are two other pieces of footage that fill out this gap. One is another surveillance video from a different building, which the SFPD made available online after the town hall meeting. The frame rate on this video is very low, so much so that it might be described more as a stuttering sequence of images than as a video. But it does show more of what happened between the officers encountering Hampton and the shooting. After brief contact with the passenger officer, Hampton appears to throw the driving officer to the ground, then run away from the officers. The video ends as Hampton runs past the camera, the officers in pursuit. The only other footage released to the public is body cam footage. A note about that. One officer's camera was knocked off in the altercation with Hampton and hadn't been turned on, so we only have footage from the passenger officer. That does have sound, and we'll play it for you, but with a warning that what unfolds is violent and it's hard to listen to. Get on the ground now! Get on the ground! Get on the ground! Get on the ground!
raid now. We're trying to render raid. Oh. Oh. Hey, render raid. Glove up. Render raid. Turn on your BWC. Oh, you need to turn on your BWC. 
What's shown in the footage you just heard is, in very blurred and sometimes obscure images, the initial contact with Jamaica Hampton, a foot chase, and both officers firing on him. Then a few minutes of the officer's view of the aftermath. After approaching Hampton, the officer in the passenger seat, Sterling Hayes, appears to try to kick at or get away from Hampton. Then he jumps out of the car after Hampton engages with the second officer, Christopher Flores. They chase after Hampton, who's trying to get away, dodging back and forth around parked cars. Hayes fires six rounds at Hampton, shouts what sounds like stop at Flores, and then puts on gloves and tries to administer first aid. You can see the footage for yourself at vimeo.com sfpd. Members of the public at the town hall were mostly silent during Chief Scott's presentation and when the surveillance footage was shown. But when the officer's body cam footage was shown, you could hear people react. We couldn't de-escalate that? Really? Back to school! And then he's down and you shoot him again. You just keep shooting. When we return, we'll bring you some of the statements that members of the public made to the police at the town hall. You've been listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. The San Francisco Public Press and KSFP rely on support from readers and listeners like you. That's why we're excited to participate in Newsmatch, a national collaboration of journalism funders. Newsmatch will double donations from individuals to the public press through the end of the year. Your pledge will support independent, diverse local perspectives and investigative reporting. Visit sfpublicpress.org donate. This is KSFP LP, San Francisco. Welcome back to Civic. Let's go back to the town hall meeting police held at Cesar Chavez School on Tuesday night to give information about an incident in which two officers shot at 24-year-old Jamaica Hampton. After the police gave their version of events and played their recordings, people lined up and began addressing Chief Scott and Commander O'Sullivan, who were sitting with Mission Station Captain Gaetano Caltagirone. Dozens of people spoke for hours. Some of them were close with Jamaica Hampton. Hi, my name is Kim McElroy, and I have known Jamaica Arion Hampton since the time he was 12 years old. I have had him in my home throughout the last 14 years. I fostered him. I helped him. I taught him to drive. I saw him get his first job in life, and he's no more than a kind-hearted, loving human being. Never had violence. He never lashed out. He never acted this way, ever in his life, ever. Always willing to help, help children. He actually loves children. I don't have anything to say about the legal system. We're gonna let this play out and the transparency and the attorneys. I have nothing to say. I don't wanna answer any questions to you. I love Jamaica and I'm hoping you can raise the restrictions to let the family see him. Nobody wants to take him anywhere. Nobody wants to hurt you. 
He just want to be the Jamaican. Oh. Yeah. Okay. He's a loving human being, and he did not deserve this. He did not deserve this to be gunned down in the street, as we saw in this video. Jamaica's my brother. Jamaica's a, a great guy. He's he was playing video games at my house a week before he left out here. Um, he was an intellectual man. He liked to talk a lot about expand on why we are what so a whole bunch of stuff. But um, someone who's easily predicated to violence, he, he wasn't at all, at all. And um, I just feel that he other uses of force could have been done. And um, again, they have an investigation they have to proceed with, but I understand that once he's shot before, he's not posing a threat and shouldn't be fired on again by an officer who is in fear for his life, even though he was over 20 feet away from Jamaica. Um, my name is Richard I Jamaica is my little brother. Uh, what I, what I want to do first of all is thank everybody for being here. And second of all, on another thing on his character, uh, he's probably the most kindest, gentlest person you will ever meet in your life. Mm. And the, just the fact that watching him get chased and uh, gunned down in the middle of the street, when I've literally seen my brother give his shirt off of his back to people that have needed it right then and there, um, I do not feel like this is any in way, any way, shape, or form can ever be justified, and I'm disgusted. My name is Eve Greenberg. I was actually really a good friend of Jamaica's. I met Jamaica in May while he was working at the farmer's market, and he was one of the kindest, most open-minded people I have ever met. I want to clarify that he did have a place to live and that he was actually a waiter in Oakland, so he had a job. He was the kindest to strangers, and literally every time we hung out and someone would ask for money and change, he would give it to them. Uh, and we'd have a whole bunch of deep talks at uh, Jack London Square together. And two things really weighed on his heart, I feel like we would talk about most often. Uh, one being that he was afraid of being a statistic, and he knew that he could look like a threat, because Jamaica Hampton was a very muscular, well-built man who took pride in his body and taking care of himself. Was he and that Was he tall? I mean, he's taller than me, I would say, um, and I'm short, so he really took pride in his body. He thought that, you know, you shouldn't judge people for their outward appearance because what matters most is on the inside. He has told me that multiple times. Seeing my friend look like a, a scared animal not sure where to move with one of his greatest fears being a statistic and now he is in the hospital and if when he recovers not only will he be processed for a crime that is so arbitrary but he may not be able to use his legs because you shot him in the legs because you shot him at all it's so disturbing. This is against everything he ever 
He ever wanted for himself, and all he wanted to do was help other people. And he made that very clear in all of his actions that he has ever done. He pulled himself from a dark place and rebuilt his life and was thriving, and you tore him down. And I'm disgusted. From what I know of Jamaica, he was what my brother would call a book nerd. He loved to read. He loved every, like he loved comics. He loved Batman. He saw all the Batman movies. Um, I, what I know of Jamaica is what a lot of people have attested to his character. He is one of the kindest people I have ever met. And I don't know if Jamaica will ever see this or watch this, but I just wanted to say that we love you. Um, we are always here for you. We support you. We are praying for you like crazy. And we just, we just hope wherever you're at that you feel our love for you. And you know that even nothing will change how we see you. Nothing. Others who spoke Tuesday night were residents who had heard the shooting. Some were activists who had protested shootings by police for years. Here's a little of what they had to say. In some cases, you'll hear Chief Scott respond to questions. I'm, I'm Father Richard Smith. I'm uh, a priest at St. John's Episcopal Church, and I'm also part of the Justice for a Meal Car Coalition. I, I think uh, I just want to first focus what I think the conversation needs to be about tonight, which is not about anything Mr. Hampton may have done prior to the incident. I don't care whether he was breaking in somewhere or you know breaking into a car or whatever. I'm more concerned about what the officers did. This was an officer-involved shooting, so I'd like to see. I'm more concerned about that, not what Mr. Mr. Hampson, that incident, whatever he was doing, that needs to be looked at. I get it. That's not what this is about. I had a barbecue in front of my house. I always have barbecues. Mm -hmm. Some of you have been with my barbecues. And I've had, in the last two years, the police called on me. And it just so happened that the first officer that came was African-American, and he knew me. And he told me that somebody complained about us making noise. Thank God I knew. Three hours later, another police officer rolls up. She happened to be a Latina. I happened to go to school with her. And she told me the same thing, that somebody had called to complain that a bunch of gangbangers were across the street from our house. Well, we were watching the 49er game and barbecuing, and of course we all were wearing 49er gear, and what's 49er gear, red, right? And what does it look like to them? So there's this fear level of 6,000 people that have invaded our barrio who are scared of us, who are fearful of us, and so they call the police. It is really hard as a parent, um, I lived here in the neighborhood for about 20 years, um, to really in the middle of the night or at any time given to really question whether you want to call the police department or not. And it's, as a parent, it's really, really hard. As a, you know, as a head of household, it's really hard to really think about what you're about to do because you don't know what the outcome would be. Um, and this is a, a really difficult decision for all of us to do every time we call the police department. I'm sorry? Did the officers involved undergo CIT <coughs> crisis yeah. intervention training? Yes. As of the evening of December 10th, Jamaica Hampton was not allowed to see a lawyer or his family. Could you clarify whether this is true? He's seen, my understanding is he's seen a lawyer and his family. And again, so we're... 
making him available to the family as long as he's in our custody. Let's drop the family question. Uh, as the evening of December 10th, Jamaica Hampton was not allowed to see a lawyer. Could you clarify whether this is true? <laughs> I don't know whether it's true or not. It was well past 9 p.m. when the last speaker finished giving his remarks, but Chief Scott and spokesperson David Stevenson stayed briefly to answer a few follow-up questions. Thanks. Okay. Laura, thanks. Can you say more about the drone video? I keep hearing references to a drone video, and I don't know where it came from or what it shows. Um, there was a drone that was recovered from the scene, and uh, with the permission of the owner, we were able to take possession of it. We don't know whether there's a video on it or not at this point. We have not been able to get uh, make recontact with the owner, but our per, our intentions are to ask for permission to see what's on the video. We don't even, if there's a video, we don't even know if there is a video, uh, but that's our intention. So we have not been able to do that at this point, but we intend to. So, not sure what's on it, if anything, but but we do have it in our possession. There are other people at the scene. Have you been able to talk to any witnesses? Oh yes, yeah. There's there's uh, at least six witnesses that we've been able to interview. We have one last question. With the town hall over, the investigations continue. Well, all, of, all of those investigative processes, you know, our department, we have an internal investigation on the policy questions, that many of which were asked tonight. The Department of Police Accountability also does an independent investigation by charter, so that, that's an administrative investigation as well. So they're going to be looking at a lot of the same things that we look at, but it's their independent investigation, and they draw their own conclusions. The district attorney's office... Uh, has the the officer discharge the discharge of the firearms? So they their investigations is to determine whether the discharge of the firearms was legal or not. So they do their investigation. Um, there are, there is some uh, collaboration in the investigation because um, they have their investigators. They do their own interviews and they draw their own conclusions. Uh, but the evidence is the evidence. So we all have to draw from the same evidence. Also, our, our investigative services division will investigate the hot file, the original radio call, as well as the other uh, incidents that were described. Um, so those are the components of the investigation, and everything still has you know play out in terms of where those uh, investigations will lead. One note before we close. This podcast differs from the version of this report that aired on KSFP in a number of ways. We've added additional video descriptions, including for surveillance footage that was made available after the town hall. The on-air version also required various edits for length. For Civic, I'm Laura Wenis. Civic is a production of the San Francisco Public Press. sfpublicpress.org. Your host is Laura Wenis. Producer and contributor, Mel Baker. Thanks for listening.